We're all familiar with perfectly packaged success stories, but what about all the mistakes that led to successes along the way? Our Pen Reflections podcast, hosted by Seniors for the Pen Fund, features the personal stories of Penn alumni who found their career paths, however winding they may have been. My name's Emily Solomon. I'm a member of the class of 2021 and a co-chair for Seniors for the Pen Fund. In these monthly episodes, I'll take you along as we learn what work alumni put in that helps them secure their careers, how to surround yourself with people who believe in your dreams as much as you do, and how to know when to play it safe and when to take a leap of faith for something bigger and better. This month, we're dropping a special episode in honor of Pen It Forward. Pen It Forward is our student philanthropy week that allows us to come together to celebrate the importance of our alumni donors and learn more about the direct impact that they have on our undergraduate student life. Today, I'm talking with alumna Robin Carney, class of 94, and the head of philanthropy at WWF Singapore about how you can make a philanthropy a permanent part of your life. So let's jump right in. Welcome, Robin. We are so excited to have you on this week's episodes on uh, Pen Reflections. How, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. It's uh, 8 a.m. in Singapore yeah. in the morning, and um, so I'm up bright and early and very excited to talk to you guys. Oh, so great. Yeah, we um, are so glad to have you, even uh, though it's a, a leap in a uh, jump across the pond. Uh, it's so nice that with virtual, we can still we can still record this podcast and have you as a guest. Um, so a little background um, before we begin for our listeners is that Robin studied economics and international relations at Penn before getting her MBA at Wharton. The, she then started a career in management consulting and she made her career shift to the nonprofit sector and began working in communications and fundraising for two nonprofits dedicated to breast cancer research, treatment, and cures. She then took a leadership role in an international nonprofit focused on supporting causes that range from multicultural students' education to reintegrating unwed mothers into the workforce. Now she's leading a philanthropy team focused on building back better for people and nature. So it's such an impressive resume, Robin, and we're so excited to hear more about the ups and downs of your career path today. But if you want to kick us off um, with just a brief introduction, uh, give us a little more information about yourself, your pen background, and, and what, you're, what you're currently doing now. Sure. Thank you so much. And uh, it was a really nice introduction. I really appreciate it. Um, just a little bit of uh, I guess, history about how I started um, at Penn. I was originally a, a student just in the College of Arts and Sciences, and I was studying international relations, but I had dabbled in a few Wharton classes and really enjoyed them. So my sophomore year, I made the decision to try to pursue a dual degree with Wharton. Um, so I ended up graduating with um, a degree from the college in international relations and then from Wharton um, in economics. And I also had the opportunity to study abroad. So I did one semester in Paris, which was absolutely amazing. Ooh. Highly recommend that to anyone who um, has the opportunity, of course. Um, so it was an amazing four years. Um, I then worked in management consulting for two years um, in New York City. And um, that program actually encouraged us to go back and study um, to get our MBAs uh, after two years if we were accepted to a top program. So um, when I got into Wharton, I decided to go back because I love Penn so much. Um, very happy to return to campus. Um, yeah. I studied finance um, for my MBA. 
and um, then went back to my management consulting company in New York um, and worked for a couple of years. And then I made a big decision, which was uh, I wanted to work internationally. This was part of my goal from the very beginning, because um, as I mentioned, I studied international relations and I, I always had the, the plan to work um, abroad for at least a portion of my career. So um, my company Deloitte had a great program where you could do a rotation at a foreign office for 18 months. And um, I applied to the program. I requested Paris, uh, Brussels, or uh, London because I spoke French. Uh, I figured one of those would be a good fit. And they offered me Lisbon, Portugal. Um, oh, wow. Which, yeah, it kind of came as a surprise. Um, so I was married by this point. I had met my husband at Wharton um, MBA. And we just decided to take the plunge and go for 18 months in Lisbon. You know, we just thought it would be a great experience. And that kind of turned into a much longer ride than we anticipated because we fell in love with Portugal, um, ended up staying. Uh, I ended up leaving consulting while I was there and moving into the nonprofit sector. And uh, we basically just made it our home. We became citizens of Portugal, um, you know, lived there for nine years um, permanently and still have a house there today. Wow, my, cool. My two kids were born there too, yeah. So we made a real connection and it just turned into something I had completely not expected. Uh, but after that experience, um, you know, we, we weren't really looking to go back to the US anytime soon. So at that point, my husband was working in banking and his uh, career ended up moving us to uh, Brussels, Belgium, and then later, Warsaw, Poland, Seoul, South Korea, and now Singapore. Um, and all along the way, I have pursued uh, my new path, which is to support nonprofits. So it's um, really been an amazing journey. Um, I have not looked back at the corporate world. I think once I kind of moved into nonprofits, um, I found that it was really rewarding. Um, I, I love working for a cause that I'm passionate about. So the first charities that I worked for were supporting breast cancer research and awareness. My mom is a breast cancer survivor, so that was really important to me. Um, and then, you know, most recently when I moved to Singapore, my kind of new focus was I want to do something for the environment to ensure that we're protecting the planet for my kids. And um, I got hired by WWF uh, last about a year ago, almost today, um, and have been leading their philanthropy department ever since. So yeah, it's been a wonderful experience and um, I would recommend, you know, also having an abroad experience to anyone, whether you can do it during Penn or after you graduate and go and work for a little while. It doesn't have to be 20 years like it turned out for me, but you know, even for a short yeah. period of time, it's a, it's a great experience. Wow, that is awesome. I I can't even believe you your work has spanned so many so many countries. I it's so important honestly. I um studied abroad last year in um, Sydney, Australia. And I was like, wow, this is something I'm so glad that I, I'd heard from other people that were like, oh, you should study abroad while in college. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm just so glad that I actually decided to do it because yeah, it was, it was great. So I'm curious though, you know, you, since your, your career has spanned so many countries, do you have tips for students who may want to work internationally and, um, or maybe study internationally too, for the current for current students as well. But um, for seniors looking for jobs after, like what are some of your tips that you've learned um, from all this? 
I would say just sort of um, do your research. So when you're applying for jobs, you know, look at the companies that you're applying to. Do they have offices abroad? Um, do yeah. they have, um, you know, rotation opportunities like my company did, where you can take advantage of even just a short, you know, one year to 18 months, two years um, in a foreign office and um, pursue those opportunities and then see where it takes you. Um, there's also, I guess, the route of trying to apply to a company abroad, which yeah. I think is a little bit more complicated. I would suggest okay. it's probably the best path to apply to U.S. companies um, who have an international presence and then, you know, express to them your interests that you would really like to, to work abroad for a while. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good piece of advice. I didn't even didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, I'm so, so glad you got to study in Sydney because that's an amazing yeah, place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was—it's actually so interesting because I know of a couple senior friends right now that are looking um, to apply for things uh, internationally, and I'm not sure if they, you know, knew that piece about kind of like how it's—it's it's almost sometimes um, oh, an in if you have, you know, a company that has offices abroad, and then you could, you know, do rotational programs. So that's a really, I think super helpful and practical uh, piece of advice there. So I have another question, a little turning gears, I guess you could say, um, but a little background on the podcast that we wanted to um, really dive into is not just maybe the career successes um, that you've had, but kind of the failures that you've, or the road bumps you've experienced along the way. Um, so our, one of my favorite questions that I love to ask is just kind of what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it along the way? So I think I'll refer back to, um, this was a, an event that I had planned in Warsaw while I was working for the breast cancer charity. Um, and this is an international, um, research, it's an academic research network uh, that's present in 50 countries, but headquartered in Brussels. And I was, I was hired by them in Brussels, but then I was able to continue working for them uh, when I moved to Warsaw. So it was very fortunate. And we, we made a really great connection in Warsaw, who was the, the ambassador of Italy to Poland. Um, and his wife, they're a lovely couple and they lived in the most beautiful embassy residence um, in, in Warsaw that had a lot of history. And so it was a very attractive place that a lot of people wanted to see. And um, all the stars kind of came together and we were able to organize an event there to invite some um, sort of prominent Polish people to come to a dinner that they very kindly hosted. And, um, you know, our um, head of the research institute flew in from Brussels and met with another prominent uh, Polish doctor who was based mm -hmm. in Warsaw and presented this amazing talk about the work that we were doing. Um, and, you know, the goal was, of course, to fundraise and to hopefully bring in some important um, dollars to support the research. Um, and I think the event was a spectacular success, actually. Everyone really enjoyed it. But what I considered my failure was that um, this was one of my first kind of experiences trying to directly ask people to contribute. And I, I feel like I didn't quite get over, out of my comfort zone in terms of asking yeah. people directly for the support. Uh, and they might have been more willing to give if I had been more direct about it. So I did follow up and I had some meetings with, um, you know, the people who had attended and um, they were all very warm and supportive. But 
I think because I didn't ask the direct question, will you give us, um, you know, some some funds to support the research, I, I didn't have the results that I expected. So I'm trying to kind of still learn from that experience and be a little bit more bold um, in the current uh, fundraising work that I do to remember that when you're asking people for money, you're actually doing them kind of a favor because you're, you're allowing as it's important to them and they want to be involved. And it's really just a matter of kind of um, having the courage to ask the question. Wow, yeah, that's really good. I think it's something that, um, yeah, it's, it's so, so crucial. And I think I, I've known um, from my experience, I'm on like Seniors for the Pen Fund, I'm one of the co-chairs. And I think that's something we, we even think about too, of like, you know, when asking some some of our peers to, to support the Pen Fund and, and um, to you know give back it's like i sometimes feel feel awkward about it you know and i don't want to be as direct but i love the way you worded that in that like it's really just an opportunity to invite people in um to you know doing something that uh, can have a tremendous impact and like can really uh, help connect them with with pen later on too so that's really cool i i love that i um i'm curious just going off of um, your vast experience in, in nonprofit um, from your breast cancer research to raising awareness about environmental issues. I, I'm just curious, like, how do you keep the passion and mission for um, nonprofit work going um, throughout, throughout your time uh, at various different places? Yeah, I think it's really important that you choose the cause that you're working for so that it's something that you really do care about. Because yeah. I could see, you know, if you were working for a nonprofit where for whatever reason you weren't particularly connected to what the cause was, you could feel yeah. become quite jaded and um, you know, not really appreciate why you're there every day because the salaries are not comparable, you know, to what you can make in the corporate world. And so you have to be in it for a reason other than the money. Um, and you have to really feel like you're, you're there because you care about making an impact. And, um, right. and I think it's also important to go out to the field and see um, the work that's you know, really helping people to keep yourself motivated. Um, that's one thing that's been a challenge here in Singapore since I started because we're of course in a pandemic. So right. normally I would have the chance to kind of go out and do site visits to um, different places around Southeast Asia where we're supporting really important um, environmental projects but I haven't had that opportunity yet. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, as things kind of go back to normal, fingers crossed, I'll have that chance in the next year or two. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so true. Yeah, it's something I'm also been wondering as, as you're talking is, um, there's probably a lot of, of people that have been pretty impactful for you along, along your journey. Um, and so I'm curious, like who are, maybe three people that you feel have been the most influential to you um, throughout throughout your, your experiences? So I think I would have to say my mom first, and I'm not yeah, being cheesy yeah. there, but no, yeah. uh, my, my mother actually grew up in an international background as well. So she's Dutch Indonesian, and her father was a diplomat um, for the country of Indonesia. And they lived, I think, in five or six different countries as well. So wow. I know that they lived in um, the Netherlands, in Belgium, Japan. Um, they also lived in Singapore at one point. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were in Indonesia. So they were all over the world. And I, I kind of feel like she had the influence in me or she gave me that spark that made me want to have this international experience. And she may regret that now because I live so far away and uh, yeah, I feel a little bit you know, guilty. I'm an only child and I'm all the way across the world from my parents. But um, I really appreciate that she made me think big and um, kind of outside of the, the little world that I was you know, brought up in um, that I might want to live uh, in other places and, and just give it a, a try and, and see if it was for me. And it ended up being something that I really loved. So um, she's definitely one. Um, I would say also um, there's a woman named Carolyn Strale who hired me for the job in, in Brussels for the, the nonprofit uh, Breast Cancer Research um, Network. And she really took a chance on me because um, I had only been working um, as a volunteer in Portugal for uh, a breast cancer charity. And I picked up all the skills that you kind of needed, but um, I hadn't had a paid position before. And she um, not only you know, decided that she wanted me to be the person to launch the fundraising unit for um, Big Against, Against Breast Cancer, which was the name of the network, but um, she knew that I was about to move to Poland. I, by the time I wow. interviewed, I was only gonna be in Brussels for another five or six months. And then I was moving to Warsaw, but um, she said, you know, we'll make it work. I think you're the right person for the job. And so I would like you to stay and, you know, work with us in Brussels as long as you can. And then, you know, set up a home office in Poland and come back for meetings, um, you know, every month or so just to make sure that we mm -hmm. stay connected. And so it worked out really well. It was an amazing opportunity. And I'm so grateful to her for having that kind of faith in me. Yeah. So Carolyn is uh, another person I would recognize. And then, I think going back to my management consulting days, I, I worked for a partner named Maureen O'Brien, who um, she was a really tough lady. And I think she kind of showed me a model for, you know, women in the workplace being a little bit more um, outspoken. And mm -hmm. I, I tend to be kind of um, a more introverted person and don't always speak my mind. And I think she kind of showed me the example of you know, speaking up in meetings and having the confidence to, you know, express yourself and, you know, say how you think things should be. And I, I still take those lessons to heart today. Wow, those are awesome. Sounds like three amazing ladies in your life that um, really just inspired you, whether to go international to, um, yeah, just have have faith that you you were gonna um, be a great, great asset to the team or, um, yeah, just how to really um, make it make a difference in, in your in your workplace. I um, was curious also when you were you were talking about um, that interview that you had uh, to be hired for the research position when you didn't um, necessarily have have a ton of experience in a paid position yet. And it made me think um, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what's one thing that you wish you knew when you first started interviewing for jobs? Um, you can take it to more broadly to any jobs that you uh, interviewed for. But I just know as, as seniors who are starting to enter the workplace and, and start this process, I know that might be a helpful piece of little information there. <laughs> I think um, when I was a senior, I was not very open to kind of non-traditional career paths. Ooh, Everybody yeah. that I knew was basically interviewing for 
a finance job or a management consulting job or a, mm -hmm. like a brand marketing job. And, and part of that may have been because I was also a Wharton student. So everyone was kind of going in that direction. Um, but I think if I had thought a little bit more about, you know, working for a nonprofit or um, just kind of something, you know, off the beaten path, I would have explored a few more options. And I don't have any regrets because I really uh, like the path that I ended up taking. But right. I think um, people should keep an open mind and remember that not everybody has to go into the same three jobs that everyone is applying for. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's so good. And it's something I, yeah, feel we all need to be be reminded of. Um, it's like, you know, what do you what are you passionate about and, and like how can you pursue that? And it, it doesn't always have to be the same thing as your 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 peer sitting next to you or on a Zoom call, you know, who's on the Zoom exactly. call with you. But yeah, yes. that's great. That's great. So I'm curious, yeah, like with along on that, you know, keeping an open mind, um, what is one thing that you think that all Penn seniors should experience before they, they graduate? Um, I know it's a little bit difficult in the pandemic because you're restricted into what you're able to do. But one right. of the things that I, yeah, I really enjoyed while I was at Penn was um, I was part of the performing arts community. I was a member of yeah. Penn Dance and oh, cool. just, you know, putting on a show, that's like such an important memory to me because, you know, the whole team comes together and you just put something together that's incredible that you couldn't have done by yourself. And it, of course, if you're not a performing artist, it doesn't have to be a show. It can be putting together a conference of something that you're passionate about, you know, and that could be online or I don't know, organizing some kind of a sports activity if you're an athlete. Um, and, and, you know, I just feel that if you have those collective experiences where you sort of all come together, all hands in and put on something you can be really proud of, it's, um, it's just something that you'll look back on and remember for, for probably the rest of your life. Yeah, that is a great one. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I totally agree with you. I, um, joined West Philly Swingers, the swing dancing group in my, my sophomore year. And I was never into performing arts before, but I was like, there is something yeah truly magical about you know um that that putting a piece together and and um you know or a, or a conference like you said a conference together if that's um a group that you're a part of that that is so so true i love that wow I love that you so, swing dance that's great to hear <laughs> oh i know it's it is fun it's a, kind of a bummer in the pandemic now you know because it's like it's it's hard to to swing dance because it's such a close in proximity thing um, to other people, but it, one day, one day we'll get back to that. But yes. yeah, it is, it is fun. What kind of, I was curious, what kind of dance um, is your, is your favorite? Just a random fun question. <laughs> um, yeah. So I started off as a ballet dancer uh, okay. through childhood, but then um, really when I got to Penn, actually, I started to take more modern classes with Penn oh, dance. Cool. And I, I think modern is definitely my favorite now. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So a little, a little off the, off the record there, <laughs> but this is great. I'm, I'm just so, so thankful for all the information that you've and advice that you've given for, I mean, whether it's people, seniors looking to, to work abroad or, or um, seniors looking to get involved in, in nonprofits, you, you gave a lot of helpful information. I was over here taking notes um, <laughs> on things that you were saying. So I am curious for our seniors or any listeners who didn't have the, the wonderful opportunity that I had to connect with you on a call. Um, if there's like any way that our listeners can connect with you online, what would be the best way? Um, if you want to, if you want to touch on that. 
Sure. No, I'm always happy to connect uh, through LinkedIn. That's probably yeah. the platform that's, uh, that I'm using the most. Um, so if you search on my name, it's Robin Pulis Kearney and uh, Pulis is spelled P-U-L-I-S. Uh, Kearney is C-A-R-N-E-Y. Just um, come and find me, send me an invitation and I'd love to connect with you and um, help give any advice I can on, on your career path. That is awesome. Yeah, hear that seniors. That is a great, great opportunity. And um, Robin, we are just so, so grateful that you took the time um, on this on this Monday morning for you. Um, or technically, wait, is it Sunday? Or what is it? Yeah, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday. There you go. You're a day ahead. Oh my goodness. I'm a day wow. ahead. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, it shows in the, the advice and the wisdom that you, you share. You um, are always a day ahead. No, that's great. I um we are so yeah, just truly grateful for the the um, advice that you shared. And um yeah, and we hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday. And for our, our seniors listening, whenever you get to hear this, we hope you have a great rest of your day. And um we look forward to the the next time when you can tune in for our seniors for the pen fun pen reflections podcast so thank you robin thank you so much it was a pleasure and best of luck to all the pen seniors thank you so much for listening to pen reflections hosted by seniors for the pen fun we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you'd like to make a lasting impact for pen undergraduates you can make a gift on our website at penfund.upenn.edu slash give. Make sure to tune in next month to hear more advice from our amazing alum. See you next time.